It's another episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. We're going to go ahead and take a look down the I-10 in Tucson, Arizona, where we get where we catch up with the Tucson Roadrunners. Brett Farah of the Arizona Daily Star joins us on today's episode of Locked On Coyotes. Hold on, I got to restart that. I pressed the wrong button. It's another episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. We go down the I-10 to Tucson where we catch up with the Tucson Roadrunners. Brett Ferrer of the Arizona Daily Star joins us on today's episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Robin Leonia. That's Carl Pavlock right next to me on today's episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. I want to thank everyone for making this show your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. we got a special episode up on today. We are catching down, looking at the Tucson Roadrunners. It's been a while since we've got done a catch-up with Tucson. Uh, got Brett Farrer from the Arizona Daily Star to help us get caught up because normally I'm down there, but I, this is my first season in a long time not covering the Roadrunners. So Brett is now all my eyes and ears. Brett, how are you doing and how <laughs> how are things down in I'm, Tucson? I'm good, but I, I resent this down thing. Like, have, has there been studies to say that the map should be flipped flipped upside down? Like, why do we got to say Tucson is down the I-10? One of these days we're going to figure out that Tucson's actually up. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm sounding really dumb right now. But no, thanks for thanks for having me, Robin. I appreciate it. Good to it's see great, you. It is great having you on. Um, you know, it's been a while since we talked. It's been a while since we talked some Roadrunners because, um, you know, we've been all Coyotes all off season. Tucson did not have a great last season. But this so far, this start to the season is actually really good. I think, what are they, 6-2 and two right now? 6-2. and two, It's the uh, third time they've started with six wins uh, in their first eight games or maybe fourth time um, out of the seven seasons that they've had starts so far. So six plus uh, only one time have they been under 500 to start the season through eight games. And it was last year, they were three, four and one every other year. They've had a minimum of five wins through eight games. So it's not abnormal for the Roadrunners to be this hot. And I think there's some interesting dynamics as to what that means for the organization in terms of, uh, you know, common denominators as to why that happens. Um, but what obviously, and this is, you know, this is why they play the games, uh, you know, they don't always finish that hot. And we've seen a couple of division championships, uh, one, um, you know, decent playoff appearance and the rest, you know, the other couple times have not been great finishes. So last year was really the only season where they were who we thought they were from game one to game 68, you know, every, every other season, it's, it's kind of been a, a really different show for these roadrunners. So is this like not that exciting for you? Is it just like, oh, this is standard roadrunner start? Oh, hot. it is. They may I mean, or for may me, not. Like, okay, so I'm in. I mean, I'm in a different place than you guys. Then I mean, I'm. I in my role, I don't theoretically root for the team. I'm. It's sure. exciting for me because winning breeds excitement. I mean, I think. I think unless you're covering something that, like a 
you know, college football dumpster fire where it's confined into a three month period of time, you know, and I'm, I say that because we talk about the coyotes a lot and, and that's, it's, it can't be easy for you guys, for anybody covering the coyotes looking three years down the line at everything or four years down the line. And so, you know, it's exciting this year because the last two seasons have been pretty rough. You know, they started, I think five, one and one two years ago in the pandemic shortened season that started in January and still finished in, you know, seventh place out of eight teams. So they weren't good and it caught up to them. A big part of that is what happens up North or up the I 10, you know, um, is a big part of that. And so far this season, even with the coyotes, you know, struggles at times, there's certain things about the coyotes that I think have looked really good. The power play, obviously again, you know, as uh, on the, the time we're recording this or the day we're recording this, the power play looks good again. Um, that's been a plus and, and some of the young players and they've stayed relatively healthy and that has affected how Tucson has played. There has not been much movement. One player through eight games being moved is got to be a record for the past four or five years for, for Tucson to not have that many adjustments from, from the bat. If you remember last season, Dyson Mayo gets the C on his chest. He's gone after four games, never came back. We, we might talk about that, Carl, whether or not that should happen again. I'm leading into some of your pre-show notes, but, uh, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, so, a so it's, a, it's just, it's a different feel because there's some consistency here, you know, and I mentioned those common denominators, I think, you know, not to give too much credit, but not, but to make sure that there's enough, I, I, you look at, at Steve Poppin, now the head coach, again, his second stint as the head coach of this Roadrunners team, um, bookending an assistant associate head coach role last year and being an assistant coach prior to the first one with Jay Verity moving up and down in the organization before departing for Detroit this offseason. And John Slaney, who's been in this organization for seven years, that's the consistent arm here. And so the, the fast starts are kind of a credit to them, whether they have good teams or not, they're ready to start the season. That's what I think actually should be looked at is they always are prepared. Training camp is good. And then the seasons catch up to them because they don't have the bodies or the talent. I mean, that's how it's going to work out. This year, we'll see. I mean, I think I think the next 10 games are going to be just as interesting. Last part on this, six and two to start the year, six of eight games on the road. I think that's a pretty good balancing point that any team would take uh, through the first month, you know, or so of the season. And that does make and that does make a difference too, and to see stuff like that. Um, and from and you, and you mentioned the coaches, I did want to ask about that too because um, you know I was really curious to see how. Steve Popin would do in this in this second stint because he didn't he, like you know he he kind of was dealt a bad hand in that first yeah. stint right in that COVID short season two reasons and Robin you and I talked about this a lot we got to sit next to each other for that whole season with no one else in the building so we talked about this a lot that it was a bad hand meaning in terms of roster everything construction the the uh, taxi squad situation I mean they had good players on the taxi squad that would have been very good for these guys and the Roadrunners to have them in Tucson. I mean, when you've got the Aaron Nesses and Kyle Capabiancos and Hudson Fashings spending virtually entire seasons on taxi squads, um, that's a that's a tough thing for for both the player and the organization. Um, and and also the fact that if you remember, Robin, what was it? Was it January like fifteenth? So two weeks before the I guess it was February that the season really started in Tucson. Um, Jay Verity gets called up himself to be a, to sit on the bench, uh, as an assistant coach in, in Glendale. And, um, they didn't replace the third coach here in Tucson. So you had Steve Poffin who usually deals with forwards and power play and John Slaney who deals with defensemen and penalty kill. 
And there's usually a head coach above them. And it was just the two of them for that whole season with the condensed shortened season. So less time to figure things out, worse travel schedule, crazier, you know, COVID regulations, all the stuff going into it. That was, I know everyone had to deal with all that stuff, but like the two coaches element of it, I think it's underplayed. Like, so to be at this level and not have that extra body on the ice to take your, you know, yeah, they have goaltending coaches and stuff, but to take your goalies away to work on some shooting drills with your your snipers and things like that, I, I think that's a, that's a lot. I mean, that you're you're putting a lot on two guys during that period of time. So I think I think the addition of Zach Stortini, he's the third coach, um, who's a really interesting guy. He's only three years removed from his own playing career. He's younger than some of the Roadrunners players. Um, he's an assistant coach this year. Um, for the first time, I think that alone is a big get just to have another body to sort of, you know, he has his own ideas probably, but also to just sort of toe the the company mindset as to, okay, this is what we want and to run drills and to keep guys moving and to be a sounding board and all that stuff, I think is a big part of this start this year. So how, I mean, how has that locker room mood felt like, um, you know, from the coaches, like, you know, interviewing them in post-media scrum, like how is different mood different? Well, there's only been two home games so far. So it's been, it's, I can't really, I don't want to act like I know, but in the conversations we've had sort of midweek and, you know, some guys on the phone during road trips and stuff, everybody seems pretty happy to be here. Even the guys that are probably, you know, have a little bit of a poke at the fact that they played 30, 40 games in the NHL last year and they're not at the NHL right now. Mike Carcone, leading scorer for the Roadrunners this year, set the team record in, for goals in a season a year ago. He's now leading the AHL in assists. Uh, actually, that was prior to this last weekend where they had a bye. They played midweek. But point was, he's finding a new way to play himself. He spent 38 games, I think, last year. I might have the number backward with someone else. But basically, spent a couple months at the NHL level last year. And uh, and he's down here. Cam Deneen has stepped up into a true leadership role. You know, you have guys, uh, Laurent Dauphin, who just got called up, but at the same time, you know, played 40 games for Montreal last year. You know, a team that, while not great last year, was only a year removed from a Stanley Cup final appearance. So he, these are these are guys that probably expect and want to be at the NHL level, but they're not a, they're not mad that they're here. And I think that that's worth something from the little bit we've gotten some access. That'll change starting uh, this coming weekend when Coachella, Coachella Valley comes to town for the first time. Um, for the first of, I think, four four home games, four consecutive home games for for Tucson. Absolutely, okay. uh, Carl. I know Real you have quick. Just to yeah, just want to step in. Um, Michael Carcone, twenty one games with the Coyotes last season, four goals, twenty one. Great. Uh, cool. I I know I was gonna let, let get let you go, but uh, on that part, but um, we do uh, you know have to you know get through a couple things on this. Yeah. We got more to talk to you with Brett Ferrer on this episode of Locked on Coyotes. As we're talking Tucson Roadrunners today, before we get into any more of this episode, I do want to let you guys know that, you know, about our friends at Athletic Greens, because I want, let me tell you, I run a busy schedule, which means sometimes I admittedly don't have all the time to get all the daily nutrition and vitamins I need for the day. That's why I'm glad I'm able to turn to AG1 from Athletic Greens. It's your one-stop shop of more than 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you get your day started right. Just one scoop of this special blend and you're on your way to improve and support your gut health, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It is lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, all, all of that. And best of all, it just costs less than $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements, 
to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, it is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's continue now this episode of Locked On Coyotes. Once again, Robin Leonio, Carl Pavlik, Brett Farah joining us on today's episode as we talk Tucson Roadrunners as they are off to a 6-2 and two start. And Brett, one of the things I want to ask about, and you can, you mentioned his name and I want to bring it up, Laurent Dauphin, he got, um, you know, he got called up to the Coyotes uh, recently. Um, but, you know, the, the, one of the things I wanted to ask about it is like, is there something that has to be said about Laurent Delphan uh, uh, being a part of a team and somehow there's success going around? Because the last time he was a part of this Roadrunners team, they won, I believe they won a uh, division, divisional championship. And I think the first time he was a part, I think they had the record or set the led led the Western Conference in points. That so there are two championships. If I'm not mistaken, I could yeah. I could be wrong. I'm not looking at the the chart in front of me. But he point your point is well taken, Robin. Like he was, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but it was not a how do I word this? When he left the last time, when he was traded. Um, for, I want to say the trade that brought, was it Emil Pedersen? And, um, I'm trying to think who was, um, anyway, the last time he left, um, Tucson and the Coyotes, um, he went to Nashville, I think it, you know, he was a skilled player that people liked having around, but at the same time, it wasn't this, oh man, we just lost the heart of our team type situation. Um, he is a different person this go around. And I don't mean that as a negative about him before. I don't remember him to the same degree because he's kind of a different person. I remember talking to him and I feel like even the conversations are different. His, his position and how he's looking at his career is different. And, and so he's, he's been a breath of fresh air is the best way I could sum that long roundabout up is he's, he's actually been really great to have around. And I, I think he's a good, you know, I honestly think too that it does it would not shock me if once he starts poking into the lineup for the Coyotes if he's a midline, you know, standard player. Like he's he's probably better than some of the guys they need to be playing right now. Um just based on how he's how he's played this first month of the year for the Roadrunners and and um you know, he didn't have a letter on his jersey but was absolutely considered one of the leaders here and there it's, it has to say something organizationally even though it's a completely different leadership group. Um, from Bill Armstrong to to everybody else uh, in the front office in Tempe now that, you know, this team traded him away twice and he signed on his own volition in the offseason to come back. And he's blatantly honest with it. Um, John Sebastian D, who was with him in Laval for a little while last year, both are from Montreal, left Montreal as free agents to come to the desert. They don't deny that this is attractive for players who want that last chance or that first chance to get an NHL break because of what the Coyotes are doing over this multi-year period of time that they, and I've and forgive me if this is something you guys have talked about a lot, but like these players are open about it. They don't hide it. They don't, they don't mean it negatively. They say, look, you know, there are teams that have a lot of depth. We're going to have a hard time cracking that ceiling. This is a place we think we can prove ourselves faster. And I think Dalfan took that to heart and his first few weeks absolutely, absolutely has shown that. So, Definitely want to confirm. Uh, last trade, you were correct. It was Emil Pedersen. 
that the Coyotes acquired in exchange for Dolphin and Adam. Can you Hello, follow me around, Carl? And just like Adam Haluka. Yes. Can you just follow Haluka, me around yeah. and correct the stats that I get 70% <laughs> right or the trades that I have like a third of? This is awesome. I am not, not upset that you're fixing my, my stuff. No, no. Cause you were right. Mostly. I do not remember the Dolphin trade. I was thinking the pie. I, I looked it up the like last two weeks one. ago when I did a feature on him. So like, I'm not, I'm not like this, you know, crazy, you know, photographic or audiographic memory I, I had to look it up a couple of weeks ago so i, I do want to ask um robin and i talked about this uh before he was called up and when we were suggesting players that came up my two were nate smith and jan unique and i think i was a bit surprised um that Dolphin got the call up then i looked at his montreal numbers and i was like okay this makes sense but was he like coming in and playing that way because i know that like going from appearing in NHL games to going to AHL to start the season can be a bit of a rough point, but it sounds like he was like fully prepared and like ready to make that jump. I look at Dauphin. I look at Carconi. I look at Deneen. Those are really the three. I think you could put unique and Soderstrom on the same level to some extent, but, but I will take just those three because it's easier to kind of look at this with offensive players because of production. It's a little easier to, to see the production because the numbers, um, this is a weird thing that I've probably talked to the both of you about before, but a couple of years ago when Connor Garland had his first big call up for the coyotes and basically got called up. I want to say Robin was like mid December and then stayed with the coyotes almost the whole season. The coyotes ended up out of the race for a playoff spot and they sent him back down because he was eligible. So he would have been able to play the last week of the regular season in Tucson and then go and spend the playoffs. And Tucson was in a playoff hunt. They needed to win like five of the last six games. And sure enough, they won five straight to get to the last game of the year. And he played in like three or four of those. And without an absolute doubt, like zero doubt in my mind, unequivocally, yes, this is, you know, uh, not an, uh, not an, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, um, geez. What's the word I'm looking for? Not, uh, Oh. Anyway, I, I, what's the word when something is is fact versus opinion? Um, uh, subjective. This is a subjective point of view, not an objective point of view. So, but uh, subjectively, he was unequivocally the best player on the ice, and and everyone in the building knew it. I mean, there was a point where they have the puck in overtime, and he's literally just doing donuts in his own zone before he just blitzes down and scores to win a game. I mean, multiple times, like easily the best player, and. I asked him this question and, and it was hard to figure out how to word it right. And I, I don't think I did, but the way I asked it was, is this like in, you know, when we're playing little league baseball and we were putting donuts on our bat to swing the bat faster, you know, is that what his three months at the NHL was? And then he came down here and it's not that big of a difference league to league, but it's big enough that when you have that sort of, you know, callous from playing three months up there, that you are going to see the puck faster. You're going to skate faster. You're going to be more, you know, your, your breath is going to be, longer you know all these things and i i sincerely believe it and i've i think we're seeing it again with carconi who spent big chunk of last season toward the end he came back down to set the goals record but most of the time was up in the nhl i think the same thing with dalfan i think the same thing cam Deneen, who was kind of back and forth and kind of kind of a scratch a lot up up with the coyotes but nevertheless still there i absolutely think that's the case so to your point about dalfan i think he is nhl ready playing at the ahl level to start this season and it was proven because he was scoring at that kind of clip. Will he do that at the NHL? Probably not, but he'll be serviceable when he gets in the lineup. And you make a good point about that too. You kind of mentioned, you know, like the way the difference between the NHL and, and the 
uh, in the AHL kind of makes me think about um, going back to the, uh, I believe that the second year of Tucson where there was a controversial call and we were dis- and we were discussing it with then head coach Mike Van Ryan and, and um, I believe uh, Eric. You have Clark, some great stories about Van Ryan. We won't yeah, get into Eric, tonight. Eric Clark asked about, um, <laughs> Eric Clark was a colleague of ours who worked for All Sports Tucson. He asked about, you know, um, being able to see replay and understand a certain, a certain call that, you know, Van Ryan was visibly upset about. And Van Ryan's like, no, the, the, the game here goes slow enough. You can just tell. Um, which, I mean, which is true because like as, as someone who has covered, who's covered both the AHL, I covered the AHL for six years. And now at the NHL level, you can see the difference. It's completely well, different. I'm not going to act like we had a conversation before, you know, when we were doing some prep for today's, episode we were talking about asu and u of a hockey and and asu's elevation to ncaa status and the acha the american collegiate hockey association and you know robin you and i have watched a lot of acha games here in in tucson and before the roadrunners were here that looked like pretty solid hockey (laughs) but then you think of okay now the step up is there's ncaa you know d3 hockey is probably close to the top end of acha or vice versa acha's best teams are probably very, very one step below NCAA D3. Then you jump to D1 and then you end up seeing professional level hockey and and probably, you know, some combination of the best NCAA teams, at least speed, not necessarily saying they'd beat them on a given night, but speed wise and depth of, of players probably surpasses a little bit the ECHL. And then you look at, you know, your junior teams in Canada and then, you know, AHL and NHL are on a different planet. I'm not even getting into the international sect because that's a whole nother ball of wax, but it's hard to see it until you see it side by side. And I, I tell you, even, even watching up close, cause I really wanted to see, like I watch coyote games, but a lot of times it's when I'm making dinner or it's when I'm doing something else. But I paid a lot of attention to those first couple of games at, at mullet on TV because I wanted to see the arena. I wasn't up there. You guys have been there already, I think, and, and seen it yep. in, in multiple facets. And I can't wait for the mm-hmm. chance that I get to go up there. But, um, but so I paid close attention. I'm like, wow, this is moving faster. You know, I, I forgot how much faster it definitely is. And so while it may be the second best league, arguably in the world or, or par with a couple of others that can claim that it isn't close. And so when these players are quadruple a level players, you know, a guy like Dalfan at this point in his career probably is that John Chabest indeed probably is that Mike Carconi is probably three and a half to quadruple a, you know, they are going to play better at this level when they get that opportunity to sort of have the donut on their bat and, and then come down here. And next thing you know, they're just swinging it faster. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a very clear thing, especially in a sport like this. It's not like a baseball to use that same analogy where yes, the ball may be, you know, the speed of the ball coming at you to home plate may be less, but everything else about the game stays the same. You are moving nonstop in this sport. It's not the same. And, and that's not a dig. That's actually to say that when you get some of these players to really find their groove, it's, it's actually the perfect place for them to develop. And even the later career guys that we're talking about. Absolutely. We still got more to get to on this episode of Locked on Coyotes. We're going to wrap things up once again as Brett Farah of the Arizona Daily Star joins us to help us talk about the Tucson Roadrunners. We're going to get to more in just a moment. But first, I want to thank everyone once again for making Locked on Coyotes your first listen today. For your second listen, be sure to check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. 
Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts' insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today is available on this app, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's now wrap things up. We're going to talk a little bit, you know, a little bit more and um, other bits of this. Like, but Carl, do you have something that you want to bring up? Yeah, I want to bring up something that was kind of breaking earlier today. Uh, the Coyotes reassigned uh, Connor Timmins to the AHL uh, for a conditioning stint. We were just talking about conditioning stints, uh, I believe, earlier this week, last week, at some potential. point. Yeah. I think it was the potential. There was a discuss. There was a discussion about that because we didn't know what Dylan Gunther was going to be. It was like, oh, you can scratch him for five yeah. straight games and put him down to a conditioning stint. But yes, Connor Timmins sent down for a conditioning stint. Yeah. So I was kind of curious about the uh, the Roadrunners blue line because that definitely is something where I think the Coyotes are going to be looking at a lot more curiously in the next coming weeks. I I think to me the that's probably from a this is a weird way to put it from an offensive standpoint the Roadrunners blue line has actually been really fascinating if you look at like of Vlad Kolyachanik, who spent a good chunk of time as well at the NHL level. Eight games, no points. I'm not saying that that means that much, but it's it's interesting because, you know, the the type of production you'd expect to be up there, especially if we're just talking about these guys that have NHL experience. Victor, Schroeder, Victor Soderstrom, a couple of assists, you know. There are a couple of guys. Uh, Ronald Knott has, has done some things. Cam Deneen looks decent. But again, these are known commodities. So I... I I don't know. I, I would be lying and I don't want to act like I'm not, I don't have some expertise in this from watching them, but I don't want to act like I have too much. I'd be lying if I had any idea which direction they were going to go on the defensive end, because I, I think the most ready person on this defensive unit is probably Cam Deneen, but I don't think that's the guy they're going to want up there. I think they're going to want to see can Soderstrom be an everyday, you know, second pairing defenseman or, or even a Koliachonic, you know, why did I, I would be, be shocked if Koliachonic wasn't, upset and not in a bad way, not in an anti Tucson way, but upset that he was back in Tucson to start the season. So, um, so I, I think it's going to be one of the two of them first, if they are looking blue line. Um, like you said, Timmons only can play a certain number of games down here. So they're going to have to make decisions once he's ready to go um, and, and what they're going to do up there. But I, uh, I, I don't, I don't think defense is the greatest strength of the Roadrunners right now. To the same end, it's played pretty decent. I mean, they've they've done some things to help out the goaltenders that I don't think we see in the stat sheet. You can watch how John Gillies, who's a very seasoned AHL goaltender, is is basically the number two to Ivan Prozvatov. Prozvatov has played great, but both of them have sort of been taken care of by the defense. There have been times, you know, the third period the other night of a I'm trying to remember what the final score was, but it wasn't a blowout. Third period the other night of I want to say a three-one win. Um, over Calgary, over the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, Calgary had 30 shots through two periods, didn't take a single shot on goal in the third period on, Probs- on Ivan Prozbatov. So the defense is doing wow. what it's supposed to be doing, but it's not, 
stuff that's typically showing up in what's available from AHL stats, put it that way. You know, I know there's advanced stats we normally can assess for, de- for defensemen. It's really hard at the AHL level because there's no, uh, we've talked about AHL. Big stats debate today. on time on ice. Yeah. Uh, Scott Housen, the AHL president has talked about that in the last couple of weeks that time on ice is something they want to shore up in the very near future to make available. Um, so I don't every, know, I know I'm not t- totally answering your question, but. Every time I go to an AHL website, I have to navigate the stats page. And I'm like, this is absolutely garbage. I, I, I hate the formatting of this website. I hate every single part of that. I I wish the AHL would just like invest in like a web design person and a stats person to make it universally. The really annoying part is now I'm like six years in that I like it because it's what's comfortable. I've been conditioned to accept the mediocrity. Um, we call that learned that, helplessness. Uh, yeah, that if it changes, I will be mad because I'll have to learn something different. But then, like a month later, I'll be happy because it's going to be better. But um, but now, but you know, just I can like a true hockey enough. person. See, yeah. it's Brett, change. Through, it's bad. I, I don't like it. Change this year. You know, I I covered that. I covered the Roadrunners for six years, and here I am now up in uh, up in the valley covering the Coyotes. And all of a sudden, like I I get this giant book of uh, of a media guide for the guys on the coyotes it's literally like this thick i'm like what am i supposed to do with all this read it no. <laughs> it's amazing but yeah but I, i'm glad though when it came to you know defense though you mentioned uh victor sodostrom because when anytime he came up to the, the coyotes like he's looked really good and that kind of gave me the idea that maybe he can be that kind of you know that kind of player right to come up, well, be the next defenseman to come up, especially with the the fact that we we Carl and I talked about you know off the air and even with you right before we went on is with Cam Deneen, you kind of mentioned earlier in the show too is we got to figure out what we want to do with them because he's not been playing well, um, and are we going to find another seventh D man to fill 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 him in? That's the big question. Yeah, I I think. I don't know the answer to that one. I think it's tough, and I think it's really going to depend on whether there are teams that are in a desperate need in that exact moment if the Coyotes decide that they want to send him down. We're talking about Mayo, right? Like, if they decide they want to send him down yeah. and he has to clear waivers, it's it's just it's rolling the dice. It's not quite red or black on the roulette table, but it's basically, you know, it's almost like you're putting it on red and black and leaving the green zeros open. You know, that's the odds. Someone might hit that and it's, it's the 5% chance or whatever the number is that somebody takes away someone you've invested eight years in. And that would actually really fit down here right now, you know? And, and I mean, that's the real question is, is what is it also, what does it serve Soderstrom and what does it serve Koyachonik to be a seventh defenseman? You know, if they go back up there or is that where you put, you know, is that where you put, um, you put a, a a Timmons, you know, when he's, when he's healthy, does he become your seventh defenseman or, you know, I, I don't know exactly what direction they would go with it, but I, I would say, I would argue that Dyson Mayo should be in Tucson right now. I think that's, that's not a, a stretch to make that case. I just think, how do you get him here and not risk, you know, a lot that you've put into him and get nothing out of it. And that's, that's the risk you always take with this stuff. At least it's not a goaltender. Because you know the, yeah. a decent goalie would be picked up at any minute, but the Roadrunners, you know, and the Coyotes don't generally have that to worry about. Um, at least not the last few years. 
a la Connor Ingram, who got picked up by the Coyotes uh, recently. Right. Uh, I, I do think just in, in the short time that I watched him, I think Soderstrom just plays better in the NHL. Like I agree. I don't know. Yeah. In, I think Jan Yannick's the same thing. You brought up Jan Yannick earlier tonight, and, and I kind of bypassed that. I apologize. But no, you're right. I think those are two players, ironically, are interesting enough that both different positions, but both play better at the NHL than they do the AHL. I think they've been largely invisible. Um, and not totally. I mean, there, again, there's little things. But for the most part, they are not dominating play down here that screams, call these guys up. But I I tell you what, I think that they they are the two two guys in particular that will rise up to that level. I mean, you know, another player that's currently on the Coyotes had there was a very similar had a very similar way where he did not look great in Tucson, and all of a sudden when he got when he went up to the Coyotes, he looked pretty looked pretty decent. Barrett Hayton, Barrett Hayton did not look good in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's weird, and and again, it's I'm not even saying this about Hayton. It's going to sound like I'm correlating it. Hayton, there was there's always been a lot of questions about you know not focus per se, but you know, is he, is he driving at the point he should be considering his age, his development point, all that stuff. And I agree. I agree, Robin. I think he has played better. I don't think he's the player they wanted at the NHL level, but that doesn't mean he isn't better up there than he is in Tucson. And, and I think unique and Soderstrom offer a lot unique did last year at least, but again, it was the same thing. He got called up, he came back down and he absolutely did circles around people down here. And now he's kind of being neutralized. I mean, you're not on a very, you're not on an excessively dominant team. You have a lot of older players, you know, Adam Cracknell team's captain has is 30 pushing 38 years old. And he's outscoring Jan Yannick on the season, both in goals and points. It's only eight games, but that shouldn't be happening at the same time. I think it's just a matter of the way these guys play. And I think Yannick and, and Soderstrom too, to Carl's point um, do play better at the NHL level. Makes sense. Carl, do you have anything else? Uh, I, I just want to point out, I, I am always very wary of players who play better at the NHL level than the AHL level. Like it, it does kind of like lead questions to like commitment to the process and all those kind of things. But, you know, with players like unique with Soderstrom, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. It just always makes me nervous for a player who like gets sent down and doesn't give it their all or what seems like it should be their all. Like, yeah, uh, and and, uh, and I don't know how to like quantify that. I've never been a professional athlete who was sent down to another league, so I don't want to make statements about their mental state. But it is definitely right. a very interesting thing where I look at players who I'm like, I I don't know why you're not dominating the AHL when I see what you've done in the NHL. I agree 100. percent I don't think it's fair. For us to actually cast that on people, but I don't think it's unfair to wonder and to to you know no one owes us an answer. There these are these are rhetorical questions, but I, I don't think it's unfair to wonder why that why that does happen, you know. And um, but I think there's you know I don't know. I I think I think it's also yes, there's systems and buying into a process, but it's also tied to coaching. You know, if if the coaches in Tempe have a different approach with those players because their job is to get them ready for tomorrow not for next year uh, maybe it is it is a different scenario i don't know I, I think the coaches in tucson have a really interesting quandary on their hands over the next month or so because they're winning games and they're winning games with veterans and guys who and again this is not a dig i think mark carconi will be at the nhl level again for at least another cup of coffee or two but 
these are guys like a Mike Carcone who I like, and his story is amazing. I don't know if we've talked about that here. I think maybe last year we talked about it, but he I'll make this fast because I know I, I won't ramble on with this stuff, but he he was an outcast essentially on in Nashville when they were assigning all their players during the lockout. I mean, sorry, during the um the COVID seasons to uh, minor league teams because Milwaukee didn't field a team that year. So they went, most of their players went to Chicago. They shared the Wolves with, I'm guessing it was Carolina still, but that may not be right. Um, I think, who was it then? Uh, Florida? I don't know. I don't know who Chicago was affiliated with. Oh no, Chicago was Vegas Yeah. Um, at the time. So they were sharing the Wolves. They were share, essentially Nashville was sharing the Wolves with Vegas, or Vegas was sharing with Nashville, and they sent three or four other players to random teams. They loaned him to Tucson, and he played so well that the Coyotes signed him in the offseason. He leads the team in goals. He finds a home. He gets his NHL debut. He, you know, yada yada yada. So I, I think there are cool stories like that, but that's not the development side. You know, John Sebastian D is not the development side. Adam Cracknell as your captain is not the development side. Cam Deneen is not your development side. So if these are the guys that are pacing you to a winning team, is that really helping the Coyotes? I don't know the answer to that. I don't want to act like it's not because I think winning within the organization is good. I don't think having bad teams top to bottom is necessarily healthy if you can win games. But a month from now, if, if, if minutes on ice for Nathan Smith, I mean, I mean, the guy we haven't talked about, um, Liam Kirk. Liam Kirk is healthy. Liam Kirk hasn't seen the ice this year. I was actually going to ask he hasn't you about played Liam in a game. Kirk. I was gonna yeah, we have a uh, a British uh, person in our Slack channel who is very upset that Liam Kirk is not we, getting the look we, he like, like that's what I was I was going to ask about that is like is there a plan that even field him on the ice anytime soon? The, this is not an NHL player. When I say this, not Kirk, someone else. Colin Tyson is on an AHL deal, an AS, I mean, uh, yeah, an ASU alum signed to the Rotors last year. Played 16 games, very beyond serviceable. Five goals, six assists, 11 points in 16 games. He's dressed three times this season in eight games, completely healthy. So they have depth down here. And I'm not saying Tyson is someone they're going to develop for the NHL, but the point is they're, they're playing these veterans that they went and got. I mean, again, Cracknell, D, John Gillies in net. I was shocked last week. They had, let me see if I can get this right. They had um, San Jose. No, I'm sorry. It was, it was last week. They had Calgary Wednesday, Calgary Friday on the road and not home again until this Friday. I'm sorry, no games again until they're home this Friday against Coachella Valley. Wednesday, Friday, Friday. I'm shocked you didn't see Ivan Prozotov three straight games. But they've done Prozotov on the odd nights, John Gillies, who's not been great but been okay on the even nights, and Prozotov's leading all HL goaltenders in every statistic. Get him minutes. So it's really interesting. They're doing, they have a winning formula right now. But is that really good for the organization? I'm not saying it's not. I don't know enough to know. That's up to the the coaches and general managers, and you know the John Ferguson, the assistant general manager for the Coyotes, who oversees the Roadrunners and 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 uh, and Bill Armstrong and these guys and the and the coaching staff to decide. But I think they're going to have to make that decision in the next few weeks here because they might be in a position to battle for a true playoff opportunity here in Tucson. But it'll be with guys who probably aren't being prepared for NHL status other than maybe an Ivan Prozbatov. So. Absolutely. Um, I guess, yeah, we are running out of time, so we got to go, you know, go, go through any final bits um, pretty quickly, but I guess, you know, in terms of final thoughts is uh, you kind of somewhat touched on it, but do you see this team as a potential, you know, Calder cut playoff 
team at this point, even though it's only six, eight, eight games in, but I think, I think we need to see one more swing through the teams they haven't played yet. So you got to see Coachella Valley. You got to see San Diego. Um, trying to think who else I'm missing. You know, they played well against Henderson. They played Calgary who was Stockton, who was great last year. So, I mean, um, trying to think who else they've gone up against so far. San Jose, the, San, um, the Tucson San Jose rivalry, I am growing to love that thing. That like that is oh, the, San, San Jose is back here in a week. Sure, and you, you are going to love no, the Tucson no, Carl, San Jose. Outside of that, outside did you guys see the line draw? Yes, did you guys see I the did line draw? I did see the line. Okay, brawl. Carl, I'll I'll send you the video to the line brawl, Carl. It is it is okay. <laughs> I don't love fighting in hockey. I'm weird like that, I guess. But it is a glorious blast to the like 70s and 80s. It's a like Tiger Williams era situation. So the, the cool thing about this new what is it Tech Tech U or Tech CU? Tech CU, yeah. Tech CU Arena in San Jose, the new the new AHL arena they built up the street from. Um, I would keep wanting to call it HP Pavilion, but whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> a SAP um, Center. The SAP Center. Or SAP. Is it SAP or is it SAP? I don't SAP. even know. I've never said it out loud. It's SAP, um, but it's It's, it's right SAP. up the road. It's 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 a cool building right next to the minor league baseball park. And it's where, you know, the the training facility is set up and everything. So anyway, they, they've got a cool kind of camera angle that we see in big league stadiums or arenas on the bottom of the jumbotron. So that camera is shining, shooting straight down at the center faceoff circle, right? As Adrian Denny, the play-by-play voice for the Roadrunners, is running through starting goalies and giving his, you know, pregame ads brought to you by so-and-so. And next thing you know, cross check to the face before the official has even a chance to, to look at dropping the puck. And you have five, they pull back and there are five sets of bodies going at it on the ice. Eight players ejected, uh, five for fighting, 10 minute misconducts, game misconducts for four players on each team before the puck was even dropped to start the game. And so uh, kind of, kind of great. I mean, I, you know, uh, Steve Poffin, the head coach of the Roadrunners, and Robin, who's the head coach of San Jose now? I should know this. Um, John McCarthy, right? Is it? I don't know. I think it's I literally McCarthy. mean that. I don't know. But so they both got talk, got a got a talking to by the league and a and a fine, an undisclosed amount that they were fined for allowing this to happen. But pretty yeah. great. I mean, I mean the fact it was, the fact that it happened before the opening draw and next we talked to Carconi last week and he was like, yeah, you kind of had to pick it up a notch because we had four less bodies out there. You know, mm-hmm. you're now winded for five, six more minutes a game. So. Uh, but Roadrunners won, so they're they're yeah. in Tucson in a week and a half. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one down here. And the reason why I asked about that rivalry too, because we we kind of had had to bring that up, kind of reminded me. Um, there's someone I work with that um, uh, who I have like somewhat of a working relationship with. I see him every now and then at a at, at a day another day job that I work at. I won't mention where, um, but um, he used to play for the San Jose Sharks slash Barracuda. And I told him, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I covered the Roadrunners for a few years. And he's like, and you said some expletives, but, I, but I'll say, I'll just say the basic part. He's like, I hate those guys. It's like, God, I hate those guys. <laughs> all I, all I want to say, and again, I'm not rooting for the Roadrunners when I say this, but all I want to say is the, uh, the most interesting part about that fight, you're four games into a brand new building, and there was still only 17 people in the stands watching it in San Jose. So that's the only thing I could say. I know that's because it's a major league city, but at the same time, you know, or an NHL city. But uh, <laughs> that, that'll be I mean, that's I'm the disappointed there wasn't a goalie down. fight. 
Uh, well, that was that, that was the joke, you know, and I won't I won't pin this on anyone. So it hopefully doesn't get anybody in trouble or sound like I'm burning sources. But I definitely talked to some players and folks in the Roadrunners organization who uh, mostly players about this, who joked during the pandemic season when fans weren't allowed in the building. And I'm, I'm like, so what is this going to be like? And they're like, off the record, we go to San Jose six times a year. We know what this is like <laughs> not having anyone in the building. So. There's definitely no love lost on either side of that. I don't think. Absolutely love it. Any final thoughts that you want to that you want to share with us? Uh, anything that uh, we didn't touch on that you'd like to uh, share with us about the Roadrunner season so far? I think the uh, last thing I, I, I'm it's kind of gimmicky and doesn't really mean anything, but I I think the whole arena conversations are fascinating with obviously the Coyotes and and being at Mullet and um, the Roadrunners have played. Uh, in of their six road games, all six have been in arenas brand new to the Roadrunners, two brand new buildings, San Jose and Henderson. The Roadrunners actually closed out the Orleans Arena last year and didn't get to play in the new building when it opened in the second half of the season. So they opened their season in Henderson, saw San Jose on the second weekend it was open, and the Roadrunners will actually be at Coachella Valley December 18th for the first ever games at the Acrisure Arena in Coachella Valley. Coachella's had an interesting start to their season playing all of their home games up in Seattle, um, either in the minor league facilities in Everett and some of the areas, and then also a game up at Climate Pleasure Arena um, while this building's being finished. So you have all this talk of what the Coyotes are going through. The whole arena thing, it's it's kind of wild across the board. And then you got trusty Tucson Convention Center Arena, which has been around for 45 years and has its uh, interesting quirks. And the building's never going to last for another hundred. I'm certain. So, uh, uh, just, I I, like I said, it doesn't mean anything, here. but just kind of a funny, a funny, uh, a funny wash. Uh, I was going to say, gotta love the, gotta love the horseshoe. <laughs> yeah. Carl, any final thoughts you were like, you'd like to give or any final thing, any final bits? Cause we, you are, we are over time, but anything that you, we are, you uh, no, no, nothing right now. I, we're we're going to need to have you I'm back. On, <laughs> True. <laughs> We're going to need to have you back later in the season, though, because I feel like the Coyotes are going to be major sellers throughout the year, and there's going to be that drain on the Roadrunners that uh, you are talking about hasn't happened. So we're going to need to have you back to explain who all the people are that are coming up. Absolutely. Anyways, Brett, thanks, thanks a bunch for coming on. We really appreciate you being a part of uh, today's show. Thank you both. Appreciate you. Anyway, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a five-star review to like, comment, and subscribe. We are available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget to interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Coyotes, and on Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Leonio. Carl Pavlock is at Carl Pavlock F. F-H. And Brett, where can uh, our listeners find you as well? You can find me on Twitter at Brett Farah, B-R-E-T-T-F-E-R-A. Uh, for at least a little while longer, I haven't vacated Twitter yet. We'll see. I don't know. I don't mean that as a political statement on election night here, but we'll see uh, uh, how that all goes in the next couple of weeks. But um, also at Tucson.com, that's the home of the Arizona Daily Star. And, uh, and if you're in Tucson, uh, subscribe to the star myself my, my friend James Kelly helps cover the Roadrunners we have two of us kind of kind of cool to have two voices uh, covering the, the Roadrunners down here so absolutely that's how you can uh, follow Brett Farrah and once again 
interact with us here and you know ask us a question you might have we might answer you guys right back or on a future episode of the locked on coyotes podcast thanks again everyone for listening to today's episode and thanks again to brett for joining us hope you guys are staying safe out there hope you guys are staying healthy and don't forget to howl on